Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of the Bro Fantasy Football Podcast, week 14, week 13 edition, excuse me. I'm getting it confused because week 13, like we mentioned earlier, is the playoffs for most of the people listening here. It's do or die week. You're either in or you're out after this week. Let's not get it, let's not get it twisted at all anymore. Let's let's go right into it. This is part two, by the way. If part you two. are if you want to get Saints at Falcons, Bengals at Dolphins, Jaguars at Vikings, Raiders at Jets, Colts at Texans, Browns at Titans, and Lions at Bears, go check out episode one. For the rest of the games, we're gonna get started. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. In the last episode, we talked a lot about, um, you know, guys that you need to start that you wouldn't usually start. Maybe some Alexander Madison, maybe some Kiki Cutie. Maybe some. Well, not you're, so you said need to start. We didn't go listen. We didn't say you need to start these uh, no, guys. No, no. What, what, what do I mean by need watch to your st- tone? It's week uh, thirteen. You're right. You're Tim. right. You're right. What I meant was, if you need a start, these guys might be good for that start. That's that's better. There you go. Latavius you're learning. Latavius Murray, <laughs> um, Denzel Mims, Brashad Perriman. Um, who else we got here? Nelson Aguilar. A lot of guys, a lot of guys in that first half, and an equal amount of guys in the second half. So let's get started with the first game: Rams at Cardinals. You mentioned that you're a little nervous about Kyler Murray. This is not the matchup you want to see if you want a Kyler Murray bounce back game. I'll tell you that the Rams have been absolutely ridiculous in terms of defense. Is this a game where Kyler Murray can bounce back against the Rams, Mike? Yeah, I don't want to. Uh repeat myself because I discussed this on the review pod, so I'm just going to give the uh, the Spark Notes version, the quick version. But yeah, I do feel like the Kyler Murray, my, Kyler Murray injury is worse than they let on. He's not running as much, and he's not running at the goal line nearly as much, trying to avoid big hits, I assume. And the Los Angeles Rams have given up only 11 passing touchdowns this year and have the same amount of interceptions, 11 interceptions. That passing defense is absolutely real. They have allowed the least fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this year. And if Kyler Murray is going to be hesitating using his legs, or if they're just not going to let him use his legs as much as he was earlier in the year, then yes, I'm certainly concerned about it. I have him as a low-end QB1 this week. I'm very concerned this week for Kyler Murray. I'm not going to lie to you. Aaron Donald uh, get has is leading the league in sacks again. Uh, plus, he's Jalen, so good. It's ridiculous. He's it's ridiculous. Plus, Jalen Rams in the outside, um, and you have a combination that makes it very hard for success. That shutdown corner and that um, all-world pass rusher. That shutdown corner is most likely going to be on Nuke, um, DeAndre Hopkins. By the way, if you don't know who Nuke is, one-on-one all game. So the question is, in a battle of th- like this, who you got? You have to play DeAndre Hopkins, period. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Jalen Ramsey has been very good this season. No doubt about it. That Rams defense overall has been the best against wide receivers. That whole defense, period, has been just glorious this season. Not for fantasy purposes, for shutting down uh, opposing fantasy player purposes. But DeAndre Hopkins, as we saw, I mean, as we saw 
in the game-ending catch against Buffalo, where he caught it on top of three people's heads for a touchdown, he doesn't always need to be open to make the catch, right? So it's if it's DeAndre Hopkins, you're starting him, period. I wouldn't look too much into it. Maybe just that ceiling won't be quite as high. And I am done with Christian Kirk. See, I'm, um, I'm, I'm on a different boat with, with Christian Kirk with you this week. Man. Nah, man. Because they're going to have to throw the ball, and Ramsey's on nuke, so they're not going to throw it to him as often as they usually do. Christian Kirk might get it because Larry Fitzgerald is out too. He was on the COVID list. So it's going to be Kirk. It's going to be Andy Isabella. Andy, Andy Isabella has been like a, a gadget guy. I think Kirk can get some targets in this game. Not even Darius Williams has been playing a lot on the outside for the Rams. He's been very good this year too. Um, underrated. Like it's not only Jalen Ramsey in the secondary that's shutting down opposing wide receivers. Like nobody's really having success against them. I'm there's no way I'm starting Christian Kirk. Like he's only been good in the best of matchups. Now Kyler Murray is trending down. There's a zero percent chance I trust Christian Kirk this week. I mean, maybe in the flex, depending on the team, sure. Um, but trusting him as a top thirty six option, just not gonna happen. I'm sorry. Mm, well, Michael. Do you know what I smell? I smell another bet. Hit me, Timmy, Timmy with the other bet. It's happening. Do it. Do it. Top 36? Top 36. Damn, I'm about to sweep you clean, I'll give you this one. You gave me the top 15 before, so I'm going to give you the 36 today. Even though it it should be top 40. Yeah, fuck off. (laughs) Can't wait till he ends 38th. (laughs) That That would be really, really annoying, and I'd hate you forever. Yeah, um, what are you gonna do? To life. <laughs> um, I feel and I'm like, not starting Andy Isabella. I just want to say yeah. that as well. Not against the Rams. I feel like uh, Kenyon Drake has a very safe floor because they're going to give him the ball 20 times, and that's obvious. Um, I think Chase Edmonds also has a role in this game because they're going to have to throw the ball to someone that's not Nuke because Jalen Ramsey is going to be on him. And I think a really outside dart throw. If I had to put the dart throw on which random. <clears throat> tight end catches a touchdown in this game. I think Dan Arnold has a chance. Um, but let's not talk about Dan Arnold. There's no point. Let's talk about uh, the backfield. How do you feel about these two guys, Drake and Edmonds? So, look, I, I do agree with you. Chase Edmonds has some flex appeal here, but I am all aboard the Kenyon Drake train this week. Look, it's not because it's a great matchup by any means. It's not. The Rams have not been um, very friendly to opposing running backs. They've been more friendly to opposing running backs than they have been quarterbacks and receivers. Doesn't mean they're friendly overall. Like, it's just better than quarterbacks and receivers. But I am all aboard the Kenyon Drake train this week because what you love to see is nine targets over the past two games, same as Chase Edmonds, seven catches during that span. He has rushed 33 times over the past two weeks and has found the end zone three times. A top 12 running back each of the last two weeks. And guess what? With Kyler Murray banged up, Kenyon Drake is the one scoring the goal line touchdowns. Kyler Murray isn't walking in the one-yard touchdowns anymore. Those are actually going to Kenyon Drake. And Kenyon Drake is being fed early and often. I'm well above consensus on Kenyon Drake this week. I have him as a RB9 overall. His expert consensus ranking is RB20. I'm all aboard the Kenyon Drake train. Let's say Kenyon one more time. Say that again? Say Kenyon one more time. Kenyon? No, no, no. no. Say it the way you say oh, it. Oh, Kenyon? Kenyon. Kenyon Drake. Who's I say Kenyon. Who's Kenyon? Kenyon Drake. It's because we have a cousin named Yanni, so maybe that's why we're getting it. It's like Ken and Ken and Yan together. Kenyon. 
Don't uh, try to teach me about names, Tim. You're gonna call him like Drake the Rapper and finish this sentence, Michael Kyle. Ru- Rudolph? Rudolph? Sound like an idiot. Yes, I pronounced the L in Rudolph. You're not supposed to. It's silent. Yeah, no, Rudolph is you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. <laughs> Rams. And I don't know why you just expected me to say Rudolph when you said Kyle. Like you just said uh, Kyle and expected me to know what you meant. Is there another Kyle in the league that you know? No, about? that's why I was. That's why I was blanking. I was trying to think of a damn Kyle. <laughs> uh, let's go to the the Rams side. No Kyles on this side, but there is a Jared. Um, Jared, did you go to Jared, Tim? Um, I don't know, but my fantasy team might go to Jared against the Cardinals team. That's a pretty good matchup. And the wide receivers are definitely going to want to go to Jared, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, in particular, has been very Robert Woodsy in the past couple of weeks. A, a nice floor with a high ceiling. Um, how do you feel about these wide receivers? Even Josh I like Reynolds. them this week. Even Josh Reynolds is, a, is is someone we can talk about this week. I like them this week because Jared Goff, at this point, he is who he is. Like he's going to be a solid start against bad defenses. You are not going to want to trust him against good defenses. Like that's he's been super up and down this year, and that's basically been the trend: good and bad defenses. Arizona is not a defense um, to shy away from. Uh, they're not a bad defense, but they're certainly not like a great defense by any means, and not one to avoid. So I do think uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup certainly have some appeal. Robert Woods played 100% of the snaps last week, and. It's looking similar to last year when Robert Woods really came on in the second half and became the stud guy. Two straight games, 12 for 130 in a touchdown, and then 7 for 80 last week. Um, Didn't find the end zone, but still had a nice game. The last four games for the Rams are very kind to opposing wide receivers in Arizona, New England, the Jets, and Seattle. So, yeah, uh, Woods and Cup, I'm certainly cool with starting them this week. I have Robert Woods actually at wide receiver 12. Cooper Cup I have at wide receiver um, 22. He certainly is the more volatile option. Robert Woods has set a nice floor for himself and really doesn't give you big bust games. Cooper Cup does do that every once in a while, which is a little scary, but I don't really think he struggles much here against Arizona. I think they have a, especially uh, with the way they've been um, allowing some big games like Tyler Lockett, Cole Beasley went off against them. Crowder early in the year went absolutely ridiculously apeshit on them, and he's Jamison Crowder for, like, he hasn't been good for weeks. So um, just saying generally, they do allow big games, so I wouldn't be shocked if Cooper Cup has a big game this week. It's just, it is frustrating trusting or trying to trust Cooper Cup from week to week at this point. It's interesting because it, it looked like Cooper Cup was back to his normal ways, and now later in the year he kind of takes on that same role. Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett keep making it so that you can't start either of them. Yeah, um, no. And the backfield is, is doing the same. Like You can't really start any of these guys at this point. I think Cam Akers would be the one that I'm most comfortable with at this point. How do you feel about that? Yeah, if I had to choose one, if you had to choose, if you had to choose, it's a tie. Where's that from, Tim? No idea. Hamilton, man. You got to watch Hamilton again. So damn good. But anyways. I've, I've seen it three times now, and I don't remember if you had to choose, if you had to choose. Oh, well, you have a terrible memory, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah, I'm with you. It's Cam Akers if I had to choose, but I really don't want to. Like I've said for a couple of weeks now, there's a 0% reason to start 
a Rams running back at this point. Like you never like last week, Cam Akers, no one was talking about him. He ends as the RB fourteen. Henderson and Brown are completely useless. Like, and you're gonna trust Akers this week, and then it's gonna be Malcolm Brown scoring the touchdowns again. So just please, I beg you to stay away from this backfield. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? Nope. Let's go on to our next game, the Giants at the Seahawks. And it would have taken a special series of events for me to ever want to play or trust the Seahawks defense. Those series of events have found themselves to be true. Number one, Jamal Adams is back. And as much as you want to say Jamal Adams doesn't make a difference, he does. Number two, I never they, say he doesn't make a difference. I mean, all right, whatever. They acquire highly overrated. All right, they acquire Carlos Dunlap, which is even more important than that because now they're getting pressure on the quarterback. And what pressure on the quarterback is doing is it's making their horrible, terrible, historically bad secondary. If they have to cover for one less second, it makes a lot of a difference. And the quarterback on the other side, part three, is Colt McCoy. Now, Colt McCoy is a veteran. We've seen him start many times. We know what Colt McCoy will bring to an offense. So with that being said, um, I don't want to start any Giants in this game. And I think the Seahawks is a great matchup. If I had to start a Giant, I'm going to maybe start Evan Ingram. Um, I'm going to stick with Wayne Goldman because he's been great. And I'm not going to try and sit Wayne Goldman at the moment. But outside of Ingram and Goldman, especially with Shepard and his health in question... I am staying away from the Giants besides them, too. I mean, at this point, though, look, I know Colt McCoy is starting. Um, but one, is Colt McCoy really that big of a drop-off from Daniel Jones, if we're I being honest? like I'm, I'm not even being a hater, but Daniel Jones in true throw value is sitting very nicely down at QB 36. around Andy. He's right behind Andy Dalton and Drew Locke. Damn. So... I mean, it's not like he has good company around him. So maybe Colt McCoy isn't the biggest drop off. And Sterling Shepard has just continues to set that really nice floor. He hasn't had the ceiling, but the floor is just there week in and week out. He's had at least six receptions each of the last five games. Like wide receiver 18, 28, 45, 36, 31. It's just been a rock solid wide receiver three option. I think he remains that this week against Seattle. Um, and I do think Wayne Gallman, as you said, you kind of have to trust him at this point. Like, even in what seems like a difficult matchup, Wayne Gallman has been just very, very good since taking over that backfield. Like, he's he's been a stud, period. And you called him a stud, and I made fun of you a few weeks back. But it's just the case. Since he's taken over that backfield, yeah, Tim's dancing, guys. Since he's taken over that backfield, RB14, RB16, RB6, RB10, RB11. That is five straight games where he's been RB16 or better. That's, like, not easy to do. And, yes, Seattle's not the best matchup, but he's done this against Tampa Bay, Philly, Washington, Philly again, and Cincy, all teams that rank better than Seattle in points against two opposing running backs. So, yeah, I'm trusting Wayne Gallman as an RB2. And Evan Ingram, the tight end landscape the way it is, you have to start him, period. He's been no great. thank you to Colt McCoy. He's yeah. been great. Uh, you can't you can't hate on Evan Ingram. He's been he's been good in the second half of the season. No thank you to Colt McCoy, obviously. Yeah. And I'm not trusting Darius Slayton or no. anyone else with Colt McCoy QB either. No, Darius Slayton, someone with a clear zero floor who's reached it a couple times this year, including last week with yeah. Colt McCoy. You don't want to take that chance. 
Uh, let's go over to the Seahawks side. This one is going to be pretty self-explanatory. You're going to want to start Russell Wilson. You're going to want to start DK Metcalf. Um, Tyler Lockett is a little bit more of a situation because he has those two wide receiver one overall finishes, but outside of that, he's been kind of shitty. So if you're yeah, starting, been really trending down, man. Yeah. So if you're starting Trevor Tyler Lockett, this is around the time last year where he kind of hit a wall and then all of a sudden he boosted up. The difference was that he was the number one wide receiver on the team last year. I don't think anyone's confusing him for the number one wide receiver on the team at this point. Um, but with that being said, James Bradbury will probably draw the matchup of DK Metcalf, which opens up some room for Tyler Lockett. So, you know, I think Tyler Lockett is a good play in this game. Yeah, I agree. Due to that reason, um, I do think he's a strong wide receiver too. It's just very frustrating because he's been outside the top 30 receivers six of the last eight weeks. It just so happens that the weeks where he wasn't outside the top 30, he was a wide receiver one. And that's what we've seen in the past from Tyler Lockett as well. So you have to start him. DK Metcalf has really separated himself as the alpha, though. So you have to start DK Metcalf as well. I mean, the dude is just Duh. an absolute monster. Um, he's over a thousand yards receiving now. Like that shit is unreal. He's just so good. And the one of the other issues is that they are starting to run the ball more. And people, I think people, the the hashtag Let Russ Cook got into people's heads a little bit because I'm not seeing concerned much about that but over the last four weeks Russell Wilson has not ended inside the top nine quarterbacks he's ended as QB 10 19 12 and 19 over the last four weeks and he just hasn't been over the last two weeks 28 pass attempts 31 pass attempts like they're really trying to establish the run again for maybe Brian Schottenheimer was like I've had enough I can't keep passing the ball this much and he's trying to go back to his roots. But it is a little concerning to me, especially in a game against the Giants where they're likely to lead, where it might be another hand the ball off to Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde type game where Russ has a good game overall but doesn't end as that top five option because they just don't give him enough opportunities to. For me, I, don't, I, I think the running game is complementary of the passing game. And I think the reason why in the last four games Russell Wilson hasn't been as effective, and I don't think this is a coincidence, is that Chris Carson hasn't played in the last four games. And he played a little bit, getting his feet wet again last week, but this week will be his first one where he's kind of letting the reins off. And the Seahawks have always been a, a run-first offense. That is something that, you know, the best-kept secret in football is that all of these new-age offenses are run-first offenses, including um, in Arizona, with, that is known for being a pass offense that's actually secretly a rush offense. Um, and I think that's also the case with the Seahawks. And I think that Chris Carson coming back and getting healthy and being the guy that he has been the past few years is going to help Russell Wilson. And I think that um, Chris Carson is also in a position where um, he's got a nice schedule coming up. He's got good matchups. If you have Chris Carson, you're heading towards the fantasy playoffs you got to like where you're headed right now. Yeah, a lot of people are, I think, getting a little too concerned um, by this Carlos Hyde out-snapping and out-touching Chris Carson thing. It was his first game back after a huge layoff. Like, he hasn't played since week seven. Uh, they were obviously taking it easy with him. Like, relax. It's not going to be another 60-40 split in Hyde's favor. No. 
if it if it is, I'd be super shocked. And with that being said, Chris Carson was still the running back 18 despite only seeing 10 touches. His touchdown run was glorious. He's Chris Carson. People just continue underestimating him because he doesn't have the high draft capital. You're starting Chris Carson, period. Carlos Hyde, I do think, has some flex appeal because he's likely to be mixed in in a game. I think the Seahawks have a good shot to lead for the vast majority of it. Um, but otherwise, like, it's Chris Carson's backfield, man. Let's not get crazy here. Two yes or no questions, Michael. You ready? Hit me. Not yeah. yes or no questions. One of them is a, a decide between two guys, and then the second one's a yes or no question. Yeah. Will Disley or Jacob Hollister? Hollister. Are you starting Jacob Hollister? I don't want to start him, but I said stash him, and he may become viable. He did see six targets last week. They didn't result in much, but I do like Hollister down the road if he keeps getting more involved in this offense. But I'd rather not start him this week. Wow, that was that was that was a really long yes. <laughs> Uh, you let, asked me if I can start him. Uh, let's go over to our next game. It is the Patriots at the tar- Chargers. Um, I don't know what the hell I'm doing at this point. It is now 1047 um, Eastern time in New York, which is the witching hour, as as uh, Scott Hansen would say. Uh, but not because winds are turning to losses. is because there's actual witches outside right now, and I have to go and punch them. But until before then... Patriots at Chargers. The Patriots, like I said, with Kyler Murray last week, they are known to take away your team's best attributes. So that is bad news for either Austin Eckler or uh, Kyle Allen. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Kyle, uh, what, who am I? Who, Keenan Allen. Why am I saying Kyle Allen? So, yeah, I don't know. So do you think that Allen or Eckler becomes the uh, the – sacrificial lamb of Bill Belichick, or do you think both still have a good game? Um, I'm starting both confidently, man. Uh, Keenan Allen isn't the traditional number one wide receiver. Like, he operates out of the slot a lot, and I'm not, I don't know, I'm not super concerned about it. He's been such a stud since Herbert took over. You're firing him up happily. And Austin Eckler, man, the dude saw 16 targets in his return. Jeez Louise. Got a bunch of rushes, 25 touches, he had 70-plus percent of the snaps, 72 percent of the snaps in his first game back. So much for being eased back in. Eckler and Allen are automatic must-starts. Same goes with Herbert. You're firing these guys up, period. Bada-bing, bada-boom. All boom. three of them are studs. Boom, bada-boom, bing. Uh, what about Mike, Mike Williams? Mike Williams, this is one of the weeks where we know how up and down Mike Williams is. This is one of the weeks where I'd probably look elsewhere. Um, Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson on the outside. Mike Williams is going to be on the outside. Those two are a very good combo together. It does not look like a Mike Williams week. The problem with Mike Williams is the matchup doesn't really matter that much with him t- typically it's because a crap shoot. It's a crap shoot he just legs. makes ridiculous plays and that's really what you have to count on a ridiculous play being made so yeah i mean if you want to fire him up as a wide receiver three or flex play i don't hate it this just i'm a little scared that this might be one of those games where you're like it's very frustrating that i play mike williams one of the harder people harder people to rank this year is mike williams um what about the young kid justin herbert at quarterback um, oh yeah, you, yeah. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I'm definitely firing him up. Uh, the New England pass defense likes to give time to the opposing quarterback, and Justin Herbert has the most 40-plus yard completions this season, Ooh. has thrown for over 300-plus yards six times in 10 games. And this dude's a rookie. He's just been an absolute stud. I'm all aboard the uh, Justin Herbert train. I'm not looking into the fact that he struggled last week against Buffalo. That was really the first time this year where he's, like, really struggled, and he still threw for over 300 yards. Like, sign me up. Michael, you sent a text today that was like, I don't understand why Hunter Henry's still a thing. Um, Is Hunter Henry still a thing in this game? No, you're you uh yeah you're bugging i said i uh i have completely changed tune on hunter henry um because justin herbert has changed tune with hunter henry oh that wasn't you that that definitely wasn't you that sent me that text i'm I'm bugging i'm just looking at my phone right now (laughs) not even close to you a a person sent me that today if that makes you feel if that if it peek inside my phone people no i mean he's ended as uh the cube the tight end two six and twelve over the last three weeks and that's with uh, double-digit performances each of those weeks. Caught a touchdown two weeks, 67 yards the week he didn't. And in this tight end landscape, it's you you start Hunter Henry, period. Like, it's uh, he's getting more involved now, and he's actually finding the end zone. So, yeah, you got to start. Start. Start it. Lock it. Let's go over the Patriots side. Um, I know you're not a big fan of Cam Newton, Michael, but can you stream him in this one? No, I'm not starting Cam Newton. I've not, like I said last week, be very wary of Cam Newton. The dude hasn't been running as much, and he did run a little more. He ran for 46 yards, but he was so atrocious passing, 84 yards, that he ended as a QB 30. Like, no, you cannot start Cam Newton. It's not even like he has tremendous weapons or something. Myers, Bird, and Harry. No, thank you. The only one I'm interested in in this game, really, uh, or most interested in, I think James White is an interesting flex play, but... The volume also isn't there, so I don't like him that much. I like Damian Harris the best. Uh, Damian Harris is really just, he's been good, man. Like, when given the ball, he's shown off well. He's averaging over five yards per carry. The Chargers have a team, as a team have given up the third most yards per carry this season. Um, they're more susceptible on the ground than they are through the air. So, yeah, I think Damian Harris is a solid Albeit a little touchdown dependent, RB2 play. I'd rather him be in the flex, but I do think he's a very strong flex play at that. That uh, is the only guy on this team that I would even consider. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so let's not waste any more time in this game. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, the Eagles at the Packers. Once upon a time, the Packers Eagles... Once upon a time, the Eagles at the Packers would be a game that you were like, man, this is going to be a an NFC divisional or championship game. Uh, rematch, I mean... Uh, Preview, man, the Eagles have sucked. Uh, Let's start on the Packers side. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, as you said, has been phenomenal. Um, He's going to throw it to Devontae Adams a lot. You can start both of them. (laughs) Question is, can you start Alan Lazard? He was kind of put back in the fold last week, caught a touchdown, uh, but wasn't in that many snaps. But when he was in, he got targeted. We saw him being targeted before he went down. It seems like Alan Lazard is a part of this offense, and no one really is noticed yet. Yeah, um, Alan Lazard is interesting because he's still not playing the full allotment of slats uh, of snaps that you'd want to see slats? out of the number two wide receiver. But he also 
is coming back from an injury, and he played more snaps last week than he did the week prior. And although MVS played a lot more snaps than Lazard, he also put up a donut. Like, the dude didn't catch a pass. So I think Alan Lazard is quickly creeping up, and he's someone you should not overlook. I do think he's a against the Eagles, a very solid flex play this week. I don't want to – I'm not ranking him inside the top 36 just yet because – because of the snap concerns, but I certainly think he has some flex appeal here, and you're certainly starting Devontae Adams. Like that's not even a question. The dude is so unreal. His his true uh true target value is ridiculously higher than even the second wide receiver, Terry Kill. Terry Kill's true th- throw value, true target value is five point seven. Uh Devontae Adams is seven point two. Wow. It's a, it's a big jump. Yeah. That's a one point uh five difference. 1.5 difference from Tyreek Hill is A.J. Brown at wide receiver 12. So, big difference. Um, yeah. It's funny. It's like his own tier, literally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, A-Rod makes the ball go all over the, the field. No one gets six targets by accident in an A-Rod offense. So, I think Alan Lazard is someone to definitely keep an eye on. If you're not starting him this week, then at least have him on your roster if you can. Um, yeah. The backfield's been a little shaky. Michael, you mentioned, I don't know if it was you who tweeted today. It was probably you it who tweeted me, today. Yeah. So why don't you say what you said, because I thought that was an interesting tweet, at Broto Fantasy, Fantasy, by the way, for our tweets. Yeah, um, I'll read my exact tweet because it was a thought that I had, so it makes sense to just read it here. I said, are people sleeping on Jamal Williams too much? He's been splitting work almost down the middle since Jones returned and has ended as the running back 29 33 and 17 in half PPR leagues. He's clearly one of the best handcuffs in the league, but he's also a strong flex play. Which is great yeah. for him, but it's been bad for Aaron Jones. Yeah, and I everything I said there, I I don't see why that changes here against Philly. I mean, Philly is a better run defense than they are a pass defense, but the Packers are going to run the ball, period. Like it doesn't matter. And, and they're running back to catch the ball, which is important. Yeah, and ever since Aaron Jones got hurt, man, he just he hasn't been the same, unfortunately. He's been running back 20, 21, 9 because he found the end zone, and running back 23 over the last four weeks. Now just like, that, is a, that is a far cry from the top five running back that you started locked and loaded every single week in the beginning of the season, and it is a bit concerning because, like I said, he's been the snaps are right down the middle with Jamal Williams. And over the last three weeks, Jamal Williams has been the, like I said, the running back 29, 33, and 17, basically on par with Aaron Jones. He has two touchdowns over that span, one more than Aaron Jones has over that span. So, look, I, I mean, I'm not here trying to tell, we saw this happen last year at times as well. I'm not here saying don't start Aaron Jones. I'm just saying keep an eye out more on Jamal Williams as an interesting flex play. So he might be startable even with Aaron Jones uh, leading the pack. Robert Tunyon is a, an interesting name that's gotten a lot more work. How do you feel about him in this game against the Eagles? I like him a ton, Yin. Get it? No, I really don't like him a ton, but like you said, you don't get targets by accident from Aaron Rodgers, and this is back-to-back weeks where Tunyon has five targets and a touchdown in each game has caught every single pass over the last two weeks, 10 targets, 10 receptions, so they're... When he's open, Aaron Rodgers is finding him. And most of his, I mean, the touchdown he had last week, he was wide open. Like, uh, he, they just keep getting him open in space. And 
the way this tight end landscape is, like Tunyon was falling out of favor, and now he's right back in favor. You can't just look over two straight very productive games. When a team breaks mentally, you could tell. I feel like the Eagles have broken mentally right now. I think a lot of that break is coming from the fact that their quarterback is not as good as they expected him or want him to be. Um, and the offense is broken right now. Uh, nothing is more evident of that than the lack of use of Miles Sanders. Um, the fact that they keep leaning on Carson Wentz, even though he continues to play shitty, even though the offensive line continues to let pressure get to him every single play, which has a lot to do. It's, just, it's not like Carson Wentz just decided to be bad all of a sudden. Like he He's being forced into the situation. I don't know why Miles Sanders does not get used more. But that's a question that can... Ch- I mean, that's a scenario that could change overnight. And the Packers have been very, very kind to opposing running backs. So I'm hoping that Miles Sanders has a big game in this game. Because if he doesn't, it's going to be very hard to, with a straight face, play Miles Sanders in one of my running back slots if I have a better option, um, if I have another twenty top 24 option. Because the it's getting to that point right now. Yeah, dude, it's a little unbelievable. And it gets me so frustrated because, like, you'd think the way Carson Wentz is playing, they'd try to go more... Browns style of play, right? Like let let Kate Carson once manage the game. Try to use your running backs a lot, and it's working very well for Baker Mayfield this season. The Browns are eight and three, and dude, like they started the game first and five, first drive because there was a five yard uh, penalty on the defense, and they went pass, 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 three and out on a first and five, and right from the jump, I was like, this is going to be an atrocious game for Miles Sanders. And it was an absolutely atrocious game for Miles Sanders. He dropped uh, a pass that got thrown his way. And then from then on, he wasn't even on the field for third downs. Like Boston Scott played nearly 40% of the snaps and saw the vast majority of running back targets. It's just such a joke what they're doing. Miles Sanders had six rush attempts last week. It's just, and the, the thing is, this is a great matchup against Green Bay. What concerns me is that Green Bay, yeah, they're giving up a lot of work on the ground. They are also giving up they've given up five touchdowns to opposing running backs receiving and they're the only team that has allowed over 600 receiving yards to opposing running backs if they do not take advantage of that with Miles Sanders this week what like Doug Peterson just needs to go because that is an absolute joke the way they're operating that offense right now even the wide receivers yo like Greg Ward played 67% of snaps Rager 60% Fulgham 52 Jeffrey 49 like we took this guy in Travis Fulgham who is a top 20 option for weeks in a row Carson Wentz was finally playing decent football throwing the ball to Travis Fulgham and they're like nah we need Alshon Jeffrey on the field it's just there's so much wrong with that Eagles offense right now watching it was oh let's bring in Jaden Hurts so he could throw a seven yard out to Jalen Rager that'll show them like None of none of that offense made sense, and it was on prime time, and it was just ugly. like ugly, so ugly. The lone bright spot, of course, is Dallas Goddard, that he played a hundred percent of the snaps again, ten targets, caught a touchdown, seventy yards, was the tight end one overall. Like the dude just keeps balling. Even if Zach Ertz returns this week, I highly doubt that has an effect on Dallas Goddard because he's the he's the clear 
number one target in that offense right now, and he's really the only guy you could start uh, of the pass catchers. What about what about Zach Ertz? Maybe might be back. Yeah, in two tight end leagues, sure, but in one tight end leagues, I'm not going to start Zach Ertz. So I want to see how he what happens first in his game back. See if he's a uh, fully acclimated into the offense. I'd stay away from all the pass catching options for the Eagles, and that includes Carson Wentz um, throwing to the yeah. pass catchers. Last week, that Jalen Rager was fools gold against the Seahawks, and that he was. And yeah, look, you, I'm not. You told I'm me not. You got me on that one. Yeah, and I'm not buying into Boston Scott either. So, yeah, no. You're not buying into Boston, great Scott. <laughs> let's, let's get let's go over to the next game: the Broncos at the Chiefs. This one shouldn't be too long. Um, I mean, the Broncos are a pretty good defense, but no reason to stop you from playing your Chiefs. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Pat Mahomes. Um, I even think Sammy Watkins is a good play uh, now that he's back. And Travis Kelsey, what do you think? By the oh, way, snap. Bryce Callahan out for the out for this game. Tim, this is Sunday Night Football on MSG. Oh, yeah, that's right, because we got three Monday Night games this week. Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey are going to score some TDs. Damn, that's mad funny. That's a Sunday Night Football, because there's three games remaining after this. And there's I, three Monday Night games. That's crazy. Well, three Monday games. Yeah. yeah. But sorry, I had to just uh, I had to sing the song. But, yeah, it's the—I don't—I feel like not talking about the Chiefs at this point is just fine, because you're starting Kelsey— you're starting Terry Kill. You're starting Patrick Mahomes, period. Like, and those three guys, done. You're not starting any other pass-catching options. What about CEH against a Broncos good run defense? I think CEH is the one that's your, that has the biggest um, uh, range of outcomes in this one. Yeah, uh, CEH has shown over the last several weeks with Le'Veon Bell there, if he doesn't find the, find the end zone, he's likely going to disappoint. I mean, he did have 11 rush attempts, which he got another 10-plus, which was nice to see but it was a down game overall against Tampa and Denver has lightened up a bit against the run of late, but still at this point, Clyde Edwards is basically a art uh, RB two. That's a little touchdown dependent, not really what you bought into, but also not the worst option on a Patrick Mahomes offense. So you just got to hope he, uh, he does find the end zone and no way you could trust Le'Veon Bell. So just, yeah, don't play Le'Veon Bell. Michael, it's Clyde Edwards. E Don't forget the E lair. Oh, snap. All right, let's go over to the Broncos side. Um, I mean, the, <sighs> Drew Locke's Guys, be the, uh, real quick, the pounding in the background is Tim's heater coming up. Oh, so you just to that? make that clear. Yeah, my, I heater, can, yes. my heater. I have a very <laughs> old apartment. My heater is coming up right now. Um, soundproofing does nothing to stop that. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think Melgo is a good is a good play for the Broncos. Um, outside of that, if you are playing, if you have to decide, if you have to like play between Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, if you have to play these guys in a Week Thirteen matchup, I uh, it's just it's, it's it's ugly. I don't know how I could support it at this moment. I know, I know, it sounds super ugly. I agree on everyone except Tim Patrick, and that it's ugly. Yes, but Tim Patrick has been a top thirty-five receiver. Six of the last seven weeks. Like, he just keeps finding a way to end in the 9 to 15 points area. And you could certainly do worse than that. In the span when he wasn't a top 35 receiver, he went 3 for 44. So it's not like it was a an atrocious game. He still got you like six points. 
It's better than a donut or something. I just, like, obviously last week, I think people, like, if this game was last week, I feel like these guys would be ranked a little higher. They have that Jeremy Hinton game, and people are like, forget about this offense or something. I just, I'd rather, definitely rather trust uh, Tim Patrick if if we're doing pass-catching options. Jerry Judy is more of a boomer bust type guy. Um, I don't hate him as a flex play against KC. Someone's going to have to catch the ball, but... I don't love him either. And then you said you brought up Melgo. It's just really hard for me to trust anyone in that running game at the moment. Melgo had that big game a couple of weeks ago. Um, but and KC has been beatable on the ground. But overall, I mean, Melgo and Philip Lindsay each have been very disappointing. If Lindsay, I know Lindsay's dealing with an injury. I was if he's say out, he's probably not going to play. If he's out, Melgo certainly becomes a lot more interesting. And that's why I like so keep an eye on that. Yeah, if if Lindsay plays, then I'm not very interested. But if he's out, I agree with you in that Melgo could be very enticing. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? Uh, no offense, I'm just no offense to him. <laughs> that offense has just not been very kind to him. He continues to put up very mediocre numbers. Like he's yeah. a good he's a good player, but it's just it's not his fault. It's just the offense is not great. So he has a very low ceiling at this point. So I'd I'd. I'd want to look elsewhere if I could. A lot of spark athletes sparking the bench up with uh, some heat with their asses um, at, t- at the tight end position. All right, let's go over to the next game, the Cowboys at the Ravens. Monday night, baby. This could have gotten pushed back because Lamar Jackson might be eligible to play. I'm not sure what that is. You have to be on the you have to be on the COVID list for 10 days in order to play if you test positive for COVID. Um, hopefully, Lamar is taking care of that. Um, if Chase McSworley ends up being the wide receiver, we did see Hollywood Brown quarterback. Quarterback, I'm sorry, we did see Hollywood Brown break off a a couple. I mean, a, a big run with Chase McSworley in the game. Um, I mean, this is a Cowboys defense that has been better, but they are susceptible. I don't know how to rank the Ravens in terms of pass catchers. If McSworley is in, by the way, too, Mark Andrews isn't eligible to return until week 14. I cannot trust a pass catcher for the Ravens. Des Bryant, even like I can't trust any of these guys. Oh, Mark Andrews is like out out for this week. He's out for this week. He's not even eligible to return until week. Oh, 14. he like legit had COVID. He has COVID at the moment and he's a diabetic. Ah, Damn, that sucks. Yeah. That sucks. So like, yeah, prayers up to Mark Andrews. I hope he's all right. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't know. I thought he was on the COVID list. I didn't know that he was like one of nah, the he, guys that actually got COVID. He got down. COVID yeah. So I guess he is out. Yeah, I, I liked him this week against Dallas. That sucks. But like you said, uh, first off, great name, Trace McSorley. Shout out to him. <laughs> Secondly, whether it's him or Lamar Jackson starting, there is no chance I'm chasing Hollywood Brown. Guys, he caught a long, a long touchdown. He didn't even catch Finally, a long touchdown. He caught a short one and then ran. Yeah, but like that's what you what you want to see from Hollywood Brown generally. Like congratulations, it was cool and all. I'm not going to be the guy who just automatically trusts Hollywood Brown now. Like let's not forget how atrocious he's been the entire season besides that game. All right? Let's not forget that. Cool. Thanks. There you go. That's what I have to say about Marquise Brown. So, I'm not trusting any of those pass catchers even if L Jax returns uh like he hasn't been a great passer this year, so his true throw value has dropped significantly uh, from 2019 to 2020. His, he's sitting at QB 18 this time around, which is just a huge drop-off. The efficiency has not been there, and that's why the pass catchers just really haven't been as good. 
the running backs are what really yeah. tickles my fancy. Michael, let me because... ask you a question. Go ahead. Gus Bus was supposed to get the majority of the work in this last game. He was ineffective in his time. Justice Hill got 50-50 in terms of snaps. Um, does Is this basically just a, hey, J.K. Dobbins is the guy here kind of message? Yeah, I'm going all in on J.K. Dobbins. I have him in RB11. I was watching Whoa. that game, and yeah, and all I could think watching that game was they're basically trying to run an offense. Like, they had Gus Edwards in to run the ball, Justice Hill in to pass catch. Like, I was like, they could just, this offense could be run the same exact way with J.K. Dobbins on the field, and you don't have to show them what you're going to do. And that's what happened against Tennessee in week 11. He really uh, showed out, and he was a top five, top 10 running back that week, and he got 70-plus percent of the snaps, and it was upsetting that he got uh, COVID and all that, and he didn't play last week, but it looks like he's good now. He tested negative. He's going to be active next week. So, yeah, I'm all in on J.K. Dobbins this week in a, in a solid matchup against Dallas. Saw Jimmy Smith limp, limp off the field for the Ravens. Um that's good news for the Cowboys wide receivers because we know that Amari Cooper does not like taking on all pro type cornerbacks and really good cornerbacks like Jimmy Smith. Uh, we have seen that, you know, his, his floor has been set pretty high in terms of Amari Cooper. Uh, now that Andy Dalton is, is back from a bye week he's gotten a little more comfortable in the offense. How do you feel about Amari in this game? against a good Ravens secondary. Yeah, shout-out to Mari Cooper, who's actually been uh, not nearly as inconsistent as he's been in the past this season. He's actually having a, a very good year overall, even with the um, revolving Dora quarterback since Dak going out. Uh, Cooper has set a pretty solid floor for himself. And against Baltimore, it's a tough matchup here. But like you said, if Jimmy Smith is out, that could help him. It's just it's hard for me to... Like, I don't think I could sit Amari Cooper. Like, I think he's a more of a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. I don't see the big boom potential, but he sets such a solid floor for himself, and he's going to get the seven-plus targets from Dalton. So I do think he uh, he at least has to be played as a wide receiver three because, as we saw against Washington last week, like, that was another difficult matchup. The dude caught a long touchdown. He went six for 112 and found the end zone, and he was a top-10 option. So it's not like it's impossible for that to happen either. He's a solid receiver. So, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with Amari Cooper in that area. And he's my favorite uh, Dallas receiver of the bunch. Again, I'm not trusting Michael Gallup anymore. And CeeDee Lamb, he's still seeing targets. Like, he got seven targets last week. But that went for five for 21. They've been very low-depth targets. The week prior, four catches, only 34 yards. He found the touchdown. They found the end zone, which saved his day. I think he's more of a flex play, low-end wide receiver three. Um especially against Baltimore. I wouldn't be shocked if only one of these guys has a decent game. So I I do prefer Coop, and I'm not super excited about Lamb. I do think he's going to have to find the end zone for him to salvage his day. What about Zeke? Zeke is uh, has been a conundrum. On one hand, he's Zeke. On the other hand, nah. Yeah, man. It's like right when you start like out of the bye, you're like, yeah, Zeke had a great game. He's really coming back into himself, and then, boy, oh, boy, that Thanksgiving game against Washington was just a despicable performance. Tim, guess when the last time was that 
Ezekiel Elliott had more than two receptions? What week? Of this year? Yeah. Two? Week six, not two. Well, I don't know. You were making me. You were making me guess like, farther. Like well, you, you threw me off. Week six, since Dak went down, Zeke has mm-hmm. one game with over two receptions. Damn, that is just disgusting. He's averaging less than four yards per carry. This is a very difficult matchup against Baltimore. Like he had the good game out of the bye against Minnesota. In the other games, he's played Arizona, Washington, Philly, Pitt, all teams that are in the bottom ten in points allowed to fantasy. Running backs, he ended as the RB 28, 40, 32, 29. And then last week against Washington, again, RB 58. Oh, my God. It's been so bad. Like, those are not numbers you expect to hear next to Zeke's name. But that's just the way it's been, man. And Baltimore is another very difficult matchup. It's hard to trust him as more than anything than a volume-based low-end RB2 in this week, in this Uh, game. Zeke or Kenyon Drake? Drake, easily. I'm actually starting Kenyon Drake over Zeke in one of my in one of my leagues. I like it. Um David Montgomery or Zeke? Montgomery. JK oh, that pains me to say. JK Dobbins or Zeke? Dobbins. Wow, so you're really low on Zeke. Yes, I am. Uh James Yeesh. James White or Zeke? <clears throat> Zeke, come on. <laughs> All right. Um anyone else you want to talk about in this game? I think we're good. The streamers, Dalton Schultz and Andy Dalton stay away. Yeah, um, I mean Dalton Schultz has the the floor, quote unquote. But at this right. point, like, if I'm gonna go after tight end, just add like a Jordan Akins or something and chase upside. This is an interesting matchup because I did not realize. I'm not gonna lie to you. I did not realize that Big Ben was changing his his you know approach so drastically um, this year in terms of holding on to the ball. We, they mentioned it many times that he is the quickest in the league at releasing the ball out of his hands right now. So if you're a Washington team where your entire defense is built on your five first-round picks on the on the defensive line, the Steelers are a team that will definitely be able to skirt that and go around it. With that being said, because of that, I love the Steelers wide receivers. Michael, I know that you're about to go on a rant against the wide receivers, against the Steelers for whatever reason, but this 11-0 team is 11-0 for a reason. And I think Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster are all pretty good plays again. Look, the reason I'm I, – I just – look, call me a hater all you want. I don't care. Okay, I think the Steelers a are – I think they're a joke as an 11-0 team. If they were facing the Chiefs tomorrow – They'd be like seven point underdogs. That's nah, all you need to know. They're a seven, fake ass eleven no and zero. Way seven. And look, Wednesday night's game against uh, the Ravens. This is, I tweeted this. I was like, this is legitimately one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Deontay Johnson saw thirteen targets, had forty six yards. Juju saw nine targets, thirty seven yards. Claypool saw nine targets, fifty two yards. Ebron saw eleven targets, fifty four yards. That is some of the most disgusting shit I've ever seen in my life. Ben Roethlisberger had an atrocious game. Uh, 0.267 true throw value is by far his lowest of the season. I think he had a better real-life game than he had a a fantasy game. And I think that his game looks a lot better if he throws two touchdowns in those two red zone opportunities that they got turned back on. Look, I'm just saying, like, I just, like you said, I don't buy into this offense. I think they're 
overachieving. One of the you want a bold prediction? Washington beats Pittsburgh this week. What with with a defensive touchdown? I really what? think Pittsburgh is highly overrated, and they have walked into a cake uh, schedule so far this season. They have a couple big wins. Otherwise, they really have like. Even this week, they played against RG three in what's supposed to be a difficult matchup against Baltimore. They do have some, and good then Trace McSorley. They have, they huh? have, they had some good matchups. I'm not gonna lie, they have been fortunate with the schedule. They have, yeah. So that's why I'm not super high in Pittsburgh, man. And look, it look. With that being said, at this point, with the way this offense is going and the way these receivers are going, you have to play them. I do agree with you there. I'm just a little shook here. The only, the one I really like actually is Chase Claypool. Because he just continues to be the main guy when Ben Roethlisberger does hold the ball a little bit longer and try to throw the ball downfield. And you told me last week that Washington has actually struggled to defend deep passes as of late. And Amari Cooper certainly took advantage of that last week. And that's more, that's not more, that is Chase Claypool's role compared to Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith Schuster. So I'm actually higher than consensus on Claypool. I've met wide receiver 15. Um, and then I have Deontay Johnson as a strong wide receiver, too, because his target share is just absurd. And then Juju, he just keeps somehow finding a way. Like, he caught the touchdown this week to continue being relevant. And he just keeps finding a way to have nice games. So, again, I do think you have to start Juju if you have him. I'm just – I'm not going to lie to you. I am scared about the uh, the Pittsburgh offense in this one. Washington football team has given up nine plays of 40 or more yards. That is one less than the Chargers who lead the league. Um, but they are good at giving up plays of 20 or more yards. Um, they have given up the C- C- I'm sorry, the second, the third, tied for third least um, plays over 20 yards. So, yeah, they're getting beat super deep rather than just a little deep. So they are susceptible there, which means good news for Chase Claypool. I think it also means good news for Deontay Johnson, who's a run-after-the-catch type of dude, obviously. Um, So, yeah. Uh, James Conner, he has COVID. He might be eligible to come back if he gets right. Um, Long shot, though. I think right now it is trending towards him not playing. With that being said, Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane basically got... um, it was basically Benny Benny Snell's backfield uh, yeah. with a little bit of Anthony McFarlane sprinkled in. Uh, how are you feeling about this backfield against Washington? Yeah, I mean, I don't like Benny Snell. Nothing that he does really pops out to he's, me. He's trash. But he did get the work last week, which, I mean, he got 19 touches. And whether you like it or not, that's just the Pittsburgh offense likes to use one running back. And it was Benny Snell with James Conner out. So I think James Conner, if he's active, is an RB2 if Benny Snell is the lead guy, I do think he slots into that running back 22 to 28 area. If he finds the end zone, you'll be very happy about it. Otherwise, you'll probably be a little disappointed. But if you, if the guy is going to get 20 touches, I mean, he's certainly usable at that point. And he's at least a decent fill-in if you uh, have Connor and he's not playing. You could just switch him in with Snell. And I don't think it's that. I don't think it'll be that huge of a drop-off because Connor has certainly been disappointing of late as well. So these two defenses also have given up the least amount of passing yards in the league. Number one and number two in the league. Um, the Steelers defense has also been phenomenal in terms of forcing turnovers right now. 
they lead the league in sacks with 41, and they lead the league in interceptions with 16, and that's how you become one of the better defenses in the league. Um, the Washington football team is not far behind. They've only given up uh, 16 more passing yards than the Steelers have. Um, they have only five less sacks, which is good for second in the league with 36, and they have 10 interceptions compared to the Steelers' 10. So Washington has been right there with the Steelers with the same kind of manuscript. The only thing is that the Steelers have been susceptible to giving up points to the wide receiver because their rush defense has been so damn good, um, and the play of Joe Hayden has been really bad, which means... I really like uh, Terry McLaurin. I think that he has been phenomenal. I think that he has established a very safe floor. And I think he has an opportunity to do something uh, very good in this game. How do you feel about Terry McLaurin? I think he's more a wide receiver to this game. Like I under, I get the fact, like, we've discussed multiple times that Pittsburgh generally is very kind to receivers, but they have had multiple games this year where opposing receivers has have sucked against them. And it's when they get to the quarterback quickly and really rattle the QB. And I'm just not I I'm not convinced that Washington's gonna be able to hold off the uh defensive front of Pittsburgh. And I'm not convinced that Alex Smith is gonna be is gonna not be shook. Like I'm I you know how I feel about Alex Smith at this yeah. point. I just like he's not very good. Like I'm sorry, it's a great story, but let's be real, he's just not a very good player anymore. So that's what concerns me. I do think Terry McLaurin will be the main guy in that offense, as always, and he has set a ridiculously solid floor for someone with such bad quarterback play. Like it's cr- Terry McLaurin is just such a good player generally and overall, but I just I don't see the huge upside here against Pittsburgh unless he does it himself like he has like against the Giants when he took a like a little in route from like seven yards at the 50 yard line and got through like three dudes and ran it in for a touchdown. I could use a win in our home league, so I'm hoping that happens again. Um, No, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Terry. So no other wide receivers to talk about. Uh, Although Lance Thomas is someone that is intriguing. (laughs) Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas. Keep calling him Lance Thomas. I, I mean, you know. Who's Lance Thomas? Former Nick great. Former Nick that's great, right, man. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Anyways, Logan, Logan Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, like, true value say not to trust Logan Thomas and all that. I don't hate him as a flex. I mean, as a flex, as a streaming option. He's one of those guys that I'm cool with streaming every week, despite the fact that he doesn't, despite the fact that he has, like, some really bad games, because he plays 100% of the snaps, basically. Like, at, at this point, if you're a tight end, if you're going to be playing 100% of the snaps, you at least have some appeal because this tight end landscape is a joke. Let's get to the bread and butter of this one, the one everyone's here for. Antonio Gibson, who is the running back six on the season, um, someone who, Michael, you really love this offseason. I was actually going back in our Instagram, and there's a clip of you talking about how you want Antonio Gibson on all your teams because he could be so dynamic. Um, yeah. Although I guess the the production didn't come as you as you imagined through the passing game, the production yeah. is coming. Um, but the Steelers have been absolute kryptonite for running back. So the question is, can you trust him in this game? And since they've been crushed kryptonite to running backs, JD McKissick, people are getting sour on JD McKissick now that he's not getting twelve targets a game. 
Um, is this a game where you could see the game script leading to some dump offs to McKissick? Yeah, uh, you know, you know, it's funny, Tim, with what you said prior. At this point, people probably think I'm like a huge Antonio Gibson hater just because I've been like, what? No, just because like each week I've kind of been fading him. Like, oh, right. I'm, I've been saying how he's touchdown dependent. But yeah, I roster him OD because, like you said, in the offseason, I was like, I'm trying to get Antonio Gibson everywhere I could when his ADP was still uh, in like the 10 plus rounds. But with that being said, yeah, now that I'm, I admitted Antonio Gibson is a beast and you just have to start him. Now is the time when he's going to let us all down to him. I could already feel it because Pittsburgh is that strong of a uh, run-stopping team. The thing is, he had seven targets last week. So, no, I am not trusting J.D. McKissick because he saw seven targets, Gibson that is, and played 65% of the snaps. And sure, they might be down against Pittsburgh, but I'm not entirely convinced that they go back to J.D. McKissick after what we've seen these past couple weeks where McKissick has... Six targets combined, and Gibson had seven just last week. Like, I'm not entirely convinced that McKissick's completely out of the picture, but I am convinced that the 14, 15 target days are gone. Like, that never made any sense. Let's be real. So I don't think that returns here against Pittsburgh. So I'm definitely not chasing J.D. McKissick. I'm starting Antonio Gibson. I mean, pretty funny. I'm lower than Gibson than expert consensus. They have my RB10. I have my RB16. It's a very difficult matchup. It's hard for me to rank him as a top 10 guy. But I do think he, like at this point, there's no way you don't start the dude. He's just been yeah. so damn good. So far, fading people against the Steelers has been a good strategy. Um, let's go on to our final game, the Bills at the 49ers. Um, interesting one in here because the Bills are not the powerhouse juggernaut defense that they were Um in the past, and actually they've been really kind in terms of fantasy. The only problem is, like we talked about, Nick Mullins doesn't really throw the ball downfield, right? Kyle Shanahan's great at drawing up runs, so what he does, he takes his wide receivers. Uh, that he's There are also running backs. If you notice, they, they, have a very trend, they have a trend on who they drafted the last two years, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, both guys who can um, take, take screens to the house at any point. Um, and they just widen their running base. So the question is, how do you feel about these guys? This is the first time these two have been on the field together in both full healthy healthy capacity in a while. So how do you feel about Ayuk and, and Samuel? Yeah. Um, like you said, the Kyle Shanahan is just it's hilarious the what he's doing with this offense. Like Debo is just getting pass after pass, like behind or at the line of scrimmage, and he's making the most of it. Shout out to Debo Samuel for really balling out with what they're giving him. And yeah, it's impossible to not play Debo Samuel this week if you have the room for him. Like I have him as a low end wide receiver too at the moment. Um, I do think his ceiling is a bit limited. Like let's be honest, the guy doesn't catch a ball unless it's like at the line of scrimmage. That's just the way this offense has been operating. And Nick Mullins can't really throw it on field, but he's just so damn involved that it's very hard to sit him. And he's really solidifying such a great floor and. Guess what? Even if Tredavious White is on him, that that's just like Jalen Ramsey was quote-unquote on him last week, and Jalen Ramsey was nowhere near him on a bunch of plays because they're basically running running plays with Debo Samuel as a wide receiver. So that doesn't really matter when it comes to the 49ers offense at this point. So I'm certainly starting uh, Debo Samuel. And I do think Brandon Ayuk is an interesting option as a, as a flex play. I'd 
kind of want to wait and see how these two co-mingle this game. Like you said, it's not like they've had a lot of time together on the field. Um, but I do understand the appeal. I do think he's a a wide receiver three flex play this week since he uh, has the same type of skill set that Debo Samuel has and will certainly be, be mixed into the offense as well. Jordan Reed, um, definitely not worth the start last week. But, you know, the fact remains that this is an offense that gets the tight end involved. Jordan Reed is a talented dude. He is in the offense. By the way, Michael, you you got you went mad New York and everybody just now, just in case uh, Michael. Why? What did I say? You said, yeah, that's why I've been fading him OD. I like, say OD on the podcast. Yeah, that means uh, overdose. <laughs> that means he's been doing it a lot for those non-New York. Someone, one of our patrons actually like responded once, like OD question mark. And I was like, man, it's weird that people don't know terms like that. Not not weird. I don't I don't want to sound mean. It's it was strange to me. I was like, it was just like a moment where I was like, yeah, some people don't uh don't understand things that I say sometimes. Yeah. Do you know what <laughs> do you know what I really get confused with? And I know you when you say that was a play and a half on Twitter. <laughs> because you have you have this tendency to say, oh, oh man, that was a play and a half. And when you say it with your voice, the tone really makes it clear. But when you say it on Twitter, like, whoa. That was a play and a half by Debo Samuel. It takes me a second. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that was a confusing one. I wonder if that's uh yeah if that goes through other people's minds. <laughs> I, I always mean to tell you that, and I never do. I'm, I'm and now I'm telling you on air. So there you go. You finally got. You finally got. I, I finally got it. Me. Um, Raheem Mostert, I think, is on the verge of a breakout game. I think he's going to break out in this one. I yeah, I, uh, I, I would I, play Raheem Mostert with the utmost confidence this week. I do want to say Jordan Reed. Uh, he's a streamable target here against yes. Buffalo, who has given up points to the tight end. I agree with you about Raheem Mostert. Don't overthink it, people. The dude is an RB1 when healthy. I have him as my RB7 right now. Um, consensus has him RB13. The dude's an RB1 nice when he's healthy. To hear, nice to hear you say that, Michael, because I was I was like, am I the only one on an island thinking Raheem Mostert is going to kill it this week? And no. You, no. I, yeah, really? like I don't understand. And it's not like Buffalo has been good against no. running backs either. They haven't. Like, it's actually a good matchup yes, for Raheem Mostert. So that's why I'm uh, a little confused as well. Yeah, I'm firing him up happily. Let's go over to the Bills side. The Bills have been on fire lately. Uh, they they kind of ebbed and flowed this season. They're they're definitely in there. Um, which one is higher, the ebb or the flow? Ebb, right? The ebb. Yeah, they're definitely in their ebb portion. Um, Josh Allen is a must. I was I was kidding. I don't even. I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> they're they're on they're on the, oh, on the ascent, not the descent. Um, <laughs> it seems like Josh Allen is just as good as as you know. He's a he's a guy that you have to start every week. Um, yeah, maybe he ebbs, maybe he flows. Maybe. It doesn't matter. <laughs> John Brown. I mean, not John Brown. Uh, Stephon Diggs has been ebby and flowy because that's what he has been his whole career. We warned people about that before you took him. In the draft this year, you're gonna he's gonna look like the best wide receiver in football sometimes, and then he's gonna look like he's unplayable at certain times. How do you feel about in this game? The return of Richard Sherman last week was good for the 49ers. Yeah, sneak peek into our article. Stefan Diggs is actually going to be my bust of the week. Ooh. I have him as my wide receiver 17 at the moment, so 10 spots lower than expert consensus. And it's just because he's been so consistently good this season. But as you said, man. Richard Sherman came back healthy last week. Jason Verrett came back healthy a couple of weeks ago and is looking like a stud and a half. 
both of them are like top 10 in PFF cornerback rankings right now. I would be concerned if I was starting uh, Stefan Diggs. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't like the matchup here at all. And I think he, uh, like he has, like last week, he really struggled against, uh, who did, uh, I'm bugging out. Who did the Bills play last week? Why am I blanking on this? Um, the Bills played the Chargers last week. There you go. And the Chargers secondary has been pretty decent and has been getting better of late. San Fran is another one of those defenses that was a lot easier to exploit earlier in the season. But now that they have Verrett and Sherman healthy, it's going to be a lot more difficult to exploit that defense. I'm concerned here about Josh Allen's passing game. I do think he's going to have to run the ball into the end zone to really be the to have that big Josh Allen type game. We've seen more down games than we would have liked after his super fiery start to the season. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he has a down game again this week. Um, but I do, I'm a, I'm a little scared about it. I'm not going to lie. I do think Cole Beasley, I like Cole Beasley again this week. He didn't do much last week, pass catching wise, but Gabriel Davis is the outside guy. Like I said, Verrett and Sherman scare me. Cole Beasley is going to be coming out of the slot. A, uh, a much easier matchup uh, for him against C.J. Mosley, excuse me, Emmanuel Mosley, who uh, who has been the most beatable San Francisco cornerback. And Cole Beasley is included a ton in the offense whenever John Brown is out, even threw a touchdown last week. So I do like Cole Beasley as a wide receiver three option this week against San Fran. Why was the slot buzzing? The bees knees because of the bees <laughs> knees. Uh, let's go back to the let's go to the last <laughs> part of uh, oh Dawson Knox caught a touchdown uh, last week. Hey, uh, nothing really to, to write home about. Um, let's go to the backfield. It looked like it was starting to become Zach Moss's backfield, and then uh, McDermott was like, "Nah, eh, 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 not so nah, fast." Nah, 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 nah. Uh, we are going to split the carries. In fact, Devin Singletary is going to get more carries. It, really inexplicable. Um, if I'm going to play one of the guys, I want to play Zach Moss, but it's, it's going to be hard to play either of them. Yeah, at this point, it's like this is becoming the Rams' backfield. Luckily, there's only two guys, not three. But nonetheless, it's still difficult, and San Fran has slowly been surely slowly but surely been getting progressively better against the run as the season has gone on, too. Like Kyle Shanahan is working his magic on that team. They lost a bunch of pieces early, but they're just continuing to get better. They've allowed less than 800 rushing yards on the season. Uh, not many teams have done that. Less uh, 72 yards per game. Like it's not a high total at all. Um, they could be beat through the air a little bit to receiving running backs. But again, is it going to be Moss? Is it going to be Singletary? Your guess is as good as mine. If anyone tries telling you differently, they're lying to you. So at this point, I'd rather not trust either guy. If I did have to trust one, it'd be Zach Moss. I don't think he's the worst flex play ever. But at this point, like Josh, like we say, Josh Allen is the goal line running back too. Like he ran in another goal line touchdown last week. I'd, I'd be looking elsewhere if I could. Michael, that is it. Almost three hours of fantasy talk has come to a head, come to a close. Oh boy, oh boy. It's 11.43 p.m. on the East Coast. Oh, yeah, it is. And don't forget, I still got to upload this because Michael hey, decided he was just going to hit me up and tell me, hey, hey, Tim, you got the Zoom this week, right? <laughs> Fuck you, Michael. How about that? 
Ah, brotherhood, baby. <laughs> Mike, where can they find you? <laughs> at BrotoFF Mike. At BrotoFF Tim, you can find me at BrotoFF Jason. See what we did there. <laughs> you just, you just. Yeah. What? I, I don't know <laughs> what I'm tired, even tired, talking so about great. anymore. BrotoFantasy.com. <laughs> Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. We've plugged enough. It's time to unplug myself and go to sleep. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night. So long. It's a baby boy time. All right. Later. <laughs> later. <laughs> I'm going to count these touchdowns instead of sheep tonight.